This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. It's good to, it's good to be together. I'm really glad you all have been coming out. And um, I'm really grateful that our weather is just exquisite here. It's good to be. It's good to be in New Mexico. Um, if you're if you're tuning in, maybe online or through the podcast for the first time, or if you're just visiting with us here, um, we are working our way through a New Testament book. It's called the Book of Acts, and uh, it's a it's a pretty lengthy book. So we're gonna hang out. We're gonna hang out here for a while. We may we may take some periodic breaks um, through it, but we are. We're right kind of in the thick of the action, so to speak, in the book of Acts. And so if you brought a Bible with you uh, and you'd like to follow along, you're welcome to open that now. We're going to be in chapter 11. Uh, The book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. So we've got the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then uh, right on the heels of those uh, accounts is the book of Acts, which is a historical uh, narrative, meaning uh, real events in history that have been recorded for God's people. And they were recorded by a man named Luke. Uh, Luke was a physician uh, by trade. Uh, he was a historian and a theologian. Um, and he uh, was very uh, detail oriented in his recording of these events. And so what we have, in fact, as a, the more I'm studying this book, uh, the more you can appreciate um, how Luke strung this book together. Uh, You you, you may not realize this. I don't feel like I've said this yet, from up front at least. Um, The the order of the events that we have um, are not entirely chronological necessarily. In other words, um, Luke is more concerned with the reason behind the events um, not necessarily the the sequence of the events, and so it's you know I don't want to like put seeds of doubt in your mind like oh if this is history why is he kind of jumping all over the place is he being fast and loose that, that's not what he's doing, um, but but for instance today's passage um, gives us some context uh, that the the reason the events unfolded the way they did uh, that we that we see today that, that, that's going to be recorded in our passage for today is because of what had happened prior chronologically. And what had happened prior was uh, there was a man named Stephen. And Stephen uh, was the first man who was put to death uh, for believing in Jesus. And so chapter 6, uh, 7, and 8 are kind of the narratives around Stephen's life and his death. And the, the fallout from those events are what we see in chapter 11. So the reason um, that the events of chapter 11 happen are because of what had happened to a, a, a prior individual. The reason that these people ended up in this city at this time, in this place, uh, was because God, God had been working strategically uh, through events in the world. Uh, even even the death of his followers. So let me go ahead and just read uh, the passage for today. I'm going to be picking up in verse 19, which is where we left off last week, and I'm going to go down through the end of chapter 11. This is God's word uh, for his people this morning. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. <clears throat> 
speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This is God's word, and it will stand forever. Let's pray and ask him to bless the preaching of it. Father, I was uh, reminded by a friend uh, of a, a quote, and it stuck with me this week. Lord, it's my deepest desire that um, I would preach your heart uh, to the hearts that are listening here um, from my heart who has heard from you. Lord, we, we pray now that you, would, that you would speak to us, that we would hear your heartbeat in the words of Scripture, that they would become colorful and alive to us, that they wouldn't just be mere historical events that are so far removed from our lives, but they would be uh, the very voice of God crying out into our lives. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, one of the things that um, COVID lifestyle has provided for me is a, a, just a, a year to, to do a lot of reading. Um, and a couple years back, um, I made the decision to begin reading a lot of books uh, digitally. Um, and so I purchased a Kindle. Now, I've got a lot of books in paper, too, and it was just get, kind of getting overwhelming having too many books. So I started reading digitally. And w if, if any of you are Kindle owners, you'll know that when you buy a Kindle, you've got the option to kind of pay the, for the one with ads or without ads. Well, I was, you know, kind of being frugal in the moment. I thought, you know, what's the big deal with the ads? Uh, I'll... I'll get the Kindle with the ad. So it's when you open your Kindle to turn it on, you know, there's, a, there's kind of an ad for a book usually for you to buy uh, right in the front. And, you know, I've had my Kindle for a couple years, and, you know, the ads were popping up at first, and you feel like, you know, they know who I am, right? We, we all know Big Brother in the Sky is watching, and they're, they're all, you know, looking through our Internet searches and the books we're buying. And so you, you would think the advertising would be, really targeted for me. And so f at the beginning, I just thought, these books, these don't apply to me. Like, who, who, are, who are they advertising to here? And, and the theme 
of, of the type of books they wanted me to read, were, it was just consistent over and over. I finally brought it to Heather's attention. I said, look at these books they want me to read. Let me just give you this little sample. I just wrote a couple. So what they'll do in the advertisement, right, is they'll give you the book cover, the title, and then just like a little blurb. Here's the kind of books they're, they're kind of wanting me to, to buy. Uh, drop your pens. You're not going to want to write these down. Um, no Perfect Hero. Here's the, here's the blurb. Bossy, Hearts of Stone, Snarly Mess Next Door, Send Help Before I'm Smitten with Warren Ford. Uh, accidental Night, blurb. Accidentally Wed to a Screaming Hot Neighbor. And finally, maybe my favorite. I'm blushing, though, because my mom's here. Um, tough Love. Young love brought them adult heartache, but in the end, true love won't be denied. Like, like they, they are targeting a very niche audience, right? Like, like romance novel. I, you know, I don't know what about my reading history tells them romance novel, but they, they are clearly targeting one person. I, I say all that because today's sermon is targeting a very niche audience. Um, I've, I've titled the sermon, A Sermon for Christians. Now, you might be saying, Adam, like, aren't all your sermons for Christians? Um, and, I'll, and I'll say this. Um, no, they're not. Um, I always um, speak and teach and preach um, under the assumption that not everyone who's listening um, is a Christian. And so the way I kind of prepare and write and think is, is always from the perspective that there are both Christians and non-Christians uh, listening. Today's sermon is largely going to take shape um, with one niche target audience in mind, and that is the Christian. So if you're here or if you're listening to the podcast or whatever, and you're not a Christian, uh, that doesn't mean, hey, pack up the camping chair, you know, you, you're good to go, like, get, get out of here. What, what it does mean is you get to be a very uh, unique fly on the wall today. Uh, you get to listen in on a conversation. Um, I think you'll be able to take away a lot from the conversation. Um, but, 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 but I am kind of speaking to those who would call themselves Christian. So, so Christian, if that's, if that's you... Uh, what I mean by that is you are somebody who has, uh, to some degree with your life, acknowledged uh, the person and work of, of Jesus and what he's done for you, and, and that, has, that has changed your life and, and some of your behaviors and lifestyles and thoughts and worldview. Like, you're a Christian. Um, this sermon might feel kind of like, um, and I'm going to try not to have this tone because I don't think the text or the narrative has the tone, but it might feel like kind of dad scolding the kids, right? Or, or like maybe borrowing some of Andy's language, like the chastising. Like I, I don't want this to feel like a, like a, like a lecture on, um, you know, the things a Christian should be doing that you're not doing. Um, I promise you, I will, I will bring you to Jesus before we leave today. So, like, we're not going to, like, just kind of do the, the punch in the gut and then, like, go home and have fun trying to be a Christian this week. Um, I promise you I will bring you to Jesus. Um, but but this, this passage, um, it really, like, at the heart of, of my, you know, thinking about it, had me asking, 
Like, what is, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus in the world? Like, we'll use that language a lot, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a, you know, I'm a believer in Christ. Um, I'm a Christian. Kind of get that language from this, this passage. L- let me, I'm just going to let Jesus speak. I just pulled out a few of his teachings about what it, what it means to follow him. This is Jesus. This is not me. This is Jesus' words from Scripture talking about following him. I'm just gonna, I won't give you the references. I just want you to hear his words. Anyone who would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever's ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory. If anyone comes to me, does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. A couple more. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And then finally, uh, Jesus in his opening sermon tells us who the blessed people are. Right? Who is living the, the blessed life? The poor in spirit, those who would mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted and hated by other people. That's what the blessed life of following Jesus has for you. Now, that's all really grim and kind of heavy. And um, the thing I want to convince you of is, is this this morning. Um, I, I was... Uh, it's been my habit the past couple of weeks on my drive-in uh, to pause and, and just kind of do some prayer and reflection before I come into church. And I've been kind of watching the balloons, right? And and this this weekend would have probably been opening balloon fiesta for us. And I thought about the balloons and what they mean to the economy of Albuquerque and all that we're losing. And it reminded me. Uh, it just kind of God just kind of gave me this vision, not like a not like a revelation vision, but just more of a kind of a picture that just as the balloons are to Albuquerque's economy, like it is what, I mean, we love it, right? Like it, it is in our DNA. We just love it. It's just part of us. So are God's people to his kingdom economy. And so the thing I want to convince you of this morning is that if, is that if, if you will, if you have not yet, if you will sell out for Jesus, like if you will do what he's telling you to do, like to give your life away, pick up your cross and like all out for him. If you'll do that, you will be the single greatest asset in God's kingdom economy. In, in other words, The plan God has to reach the world with news about his great love for his people 
is you. <laughs> like, that's the plan. His plan is to make his people his greatest asset. And what we see in chapter 11 of the book of Acts is people who have given everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus is using them in profound ways. Here's, here's the two things, and this is why um, we're just gonna, you know, this sermon is touching on probably the two um, sore spots of what it means to be a Christian. Like these are, these are two big topics, and, and I'll just use kind of the, the Christian language because I'm speaking primarily to Christians. Uh, we are going to talk about evangelism or the, sh- you know, the sharing of our faith um, and giving generosity, money. So we're talking about evangelism and money today. How's that, how's that for a sermon, uh, bold, bold outline? So let's talk first kind of about the evangelism piece. And, and I'll just use the language of giving your life away because that's what these followers had done. Notice um, where, where these followers are at now. So uh, they, the, the, kind of the headquarters for the Christian faith to this point in the story is Jerusalem. Uh, some of our events have now spread out to the north and west, up into Joppa and to some of the Judean land. Uh, now they're scattering even further into these different regions of the Roman Empire, and now they've landed in Antioch. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about Antioch, kind of give you, give you some, some kind of back, back, back story on that. Um, Antioch uh, was a very um, heavily populated um, urban center city. Um, so it would have been like, it, it was top three. So it would have been, you know, Rome, Alexandria, Antioch. Um, as far as population, as far as, um, you know, uh, wealth and politics and commerce, it was a trade route place. So it would have been heavily, densely populated. Uh, very tight city. So like, it almost reminds, if you've ever been to Austin, like Austin was a city that just exploded population-wise and it didn't have the kind of the, the structure for it. So it's a very crowded feeling. That would have been Antioch. You know, they, they, I mean, steel, steel isn't invented yet, so they can't build up. You know, it's like kind of flat, you know, and it's, it's crowded. Lots of people there. Predominantly um, Gentile, Greek, Roman people, but it, was, it would have been a, a genuine melting pot. Um, you know, some of the conservative estimates on, you know, that the scholars have done is there's probably, you know, six to 800,000 people there. So it's kind of like Albuquerque. Um, but but uh, a very small portion of that would have been Jewish um, dispersed people. Uh, so about 25,000 of the people, maybe. And if you, if, you, if you saw in the text, these scattered believers have gone into this new... You know, uh, you know, upwardly mobile city where they don't know anybody, and they were going primarily to speak to Jews, <laughs> um, because the Jews were familiar with um, the story of Jesus. Like they they had heard about it, and so they were primarily aimed at kind of these church going, synagogue attending type of people that would have had a, a vocabulary for the for the faith. Um, but but a couple of them, or, or more than a couple, we don't really know, didn't get that 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 memo. <laughs> the the men from Cyprus uh, or from Cyrene and, and Cyprus, uh, they apparently they they thought they were supposed to tell everybody 
about Jesus. And so uh, they began doing that. And, and you know, when you, when you read this, at least in the version I'm reading, English Standard Version, uh, it says that they went and they spoke to the Hellenists. So Hellenists would have been um, culturally Greek but ethnically Syrian um, and pagan backgrounds largely, uh, a multitude of gods. And they go and verse 20 says that they were preaching the Lord Jesus. Now when you hear that, when I hear that, you're, you might be thinking something like what we're doing now. Like, the, like a formal presentation about the gospel or the scriptures. and that, that is not. That's not what the language is here. In fact, preaching, the, the typical word for preaching, uh, this, a different word is used here. Uh, a, 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 maybe a, kind of a more um, true to the, to the meaning word that we could put in there would be they were good newsing people. They were scattered all over this metropolitan city, you know, interacting in their day-in, day-out activities, and they were good-newsing people. Um, you know what we're really good at, Christians? We're really good at good-advising people. They weren't good-advising people. Like, they weren't, they weren't scattering into the marketplace um, telling people, you know, like to have, you know, ethically resourced coffee beans, you know, so that they can, you know, uphold justice in the world. Like, they were, they were scattered, and they were good-newsing people. And, 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 and I think even, I mean, just the language of verse 20, that, that the Lord Jesus, do you know, you know what these people in the Roman Empire would have been very accustomed to, the language? Caesar is Lord. Caesar is the Lord, and these people roll into town, and they're saying Jesus is the Lord. Uh, and, and Jesus is the Lord wasn't a message of, you know, gosh, you're just this um, rampant, unbelieving, wild pagan, uh, because this was a very, you know, Antioch was a, you know, licentious town all kinds of licentious living. But, but, you know, Jesus' Lord wasn't entirely just this message of, you know, you kind of just, just need to clean up your act. You need to, you know, you need to get on the straights with God and just kind of start behaving a little bit better. And let me, you know, Jesus is Lord um, was this, um, this loving presence that like, because Caesar's not my Lord, um, I can live in an entirely different way. And, and when I say that, like, don't hear it was a contentless message. Like, your neighbors and your family members and your coworkers and your friends will never know Jesus' love unless you give them content to it. Like, you know, bringing in your neighbor's trash cans and watering their garden while they're on vacation will never lead anyone to Jesus. Like, you can be the best neighbor, um, but there's got to be content and substance behind it. And, and it appears uh, that these early believers were willing um, to, you know, give their life away for other people. That's why they, that's why they earned the nickname Christians. Christ ones, 
the little Christs. And so there's this new loving presence of God in this overwhelmingly pagan city. And God's hand is with these people and people are being added to the Lord. Um, here, let me, let me, let me just kind of make this statement and then kind of comment on it. God is relentlessly committed to making you like his son. Like the pattern for God's love being shown to the world is the pattern of individuals being conformed to look, act, and feel like his son on earth. Uh, we would use theological categories like sanctification. So kind of you, you juggernauts that love to kind of hang on to categories. Like to be made more and more into the image of Jesus, um, that um, process will lead you into people's lives in a way that, the, that you have access to people that, that simply put, I don't have access to. Uh, God has uniquely given you um, platforms and connections and neighbors because that is, that's, that's the template, that's the, that's the program for God reaching the world. So, so I, guess, I guess part of this is, is an ask of, are you, are you willing to, to do that for starters? And, and, and let's be honest, like the reason we have trouble with that, this idea of like, that, you know, God would use me to good news people in the world, um, here's what's underneath all of it is, is fear. It's fear of shame, it's fear of rejection, it's fear of humiliation, um, and part of giving your life away is knowing that that, that that could be the case. Like, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of us, you know, you just don't want to be, you know, the Bible-thumping, you know, Christian. You know, we've got, like, these stereotypes of who we are as people. And, like, you just don't want to be known as that. So, so you know, in, you know with, the, with the potential of rejection or being labeled as, as that, we'd rather just be seen as, like, hip, tolerant, you know, approving, and we're just kind of like, you know, like we're not going to take a stand on those things and we'll just kind of just stay away from it. But like what Jesus is inviting you to, and I want you to hear it as an invitation, not a condemnation. Like the invitation is like, hey, if you will believe um, that my good news is the power to change lives, like if you'll believe that, because that's what it means to be a Christian, I can use you. And you can good news people in such a way that they would come to embrace that good news in their own life. And that's what's happening here. That's what's happening in Antioch. Um, they, have, they have largely put away um, the fear of losing friendships or social humiliation or um, you know, losing jobs or career moves or, or all the various things that might be on the table if you were to be so bold about God's love in the world. And, and I wonder if God's inviting you to do some of that. To, to, to lay your, down, your life down in a way that says, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to be bold. I'm going to have to be able and willing to share of God's love for the world because it is the thing that can change the world.
So that's kind of giving your life away. Uh, that's what these early Christians were doing. God was blessing the work. Um, but the second thing we see kind of down in verse 27 down th- through 30 is they were giving uh, their money away. Uh, I, I came across uh, uh, a, a, a Barna Group. Most of you have heard of this. Barna Group's a research group, and, and they research all kinds of things in uh in, in, in America, in the world, uh, particularly t- pertaining to Christians and their activity in the world. And I came across an article uh, in 2013 that they did, uh, some research they did uh, called American uh, Donor Trends. So this was like in 2013, it's a little dated, but it was talking about kind of the giving trends in um, evangelical, Bible-believing kind of Christian circles. And and the, the landscape of the article was great. You know, largely people are giving money to charitable, you know, to the church, to ch- to charity, to, to, to the world. But there were a few things that, that stuck out to me. Let me just read just a couple little statements here. Um, one was they talked about kind of the, the psychology behind giving, you know, their assessment of why people were willing to give, why people weren't willing to give their money away, kind of what that did to them. And, and they made this statement in their research. They said, it's not just how much Americans actually make that impacts their giving. It's also how they feel about how much they make. In other words, in their research, what they discovered was um, there, there's you know, always varying levels of security with their finance situation, right? Like some people are you know, needing financial assistance. Other people on the other extreme feel like they have more than enough money. And then for the most of us, like we're all making ends meet and we feel relatively secure. Like I feel like that's probably our demographic, um, but 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 there's 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 something to that idea of of having a perspective on what you make, and then the conclusion they made I found probably the most compelling, and I, and I just kind of want to leave you with the article with this. It talks about this with Americans, um, and and they're talking about Americans in general, not just Christians. It says for most Americans, giving is a luxury or a nice thing to do but not typically viewed as a necessity. While the economy and donor outlook continue to show signs of improvement, it would be a tragedy if donors did not reevaluate the overall basis of their giving, that it's not just an extra thing to do or for the tax benefits, but it's a rediscovering of the truest meaning of generosity. That's what I kind of want to ring your bell for a minute on that we would rediscover the truest meaning of generosity. Um, what happens here in, in this, in this um, context is a prophet named Agabus comes from Jerusalem and prophesies a famine is coming to the world. It's going to hit uh, the Judean region first. And, um, and there's going to be, you know, obviously people in need. And the response of these early followers, and these are Hellenists now. These are the kind of the recent converts. The response of this little church that's, that's kind of being built and grown up in Antioch is to give money away. When famine comes, and you know it's gonna, they know it's going to come to them too. Said it was going to hit the whole region and the whole world, their understanding of the world. What, what is the inclination to do when times are hard? Bring it in, right? You you kind of for, you're forecasting what's ahead. You're kind of looking at you know the 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 portfolio, or you're looking at your job security, and the inclination is to to bring it in, 
Let's, whoa, let's reel that in. Let's make sure we're taking care of ourselves. But, but that was not their inclination. Their inclination was to give it away. Um, I, I, love, I love being a, a Presbyterian. If you don't know, uh, we are a Presbyterian church, uh, which primarily speaks to kind of our form of government and our structure and kind of how the bones of our church work. Uh, but one of, the, one of the things that is at the heart of being a Presbyterian is we, um, we have a very, very high value of what it means to be a member of a church. Uh, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we took in some new members. Uh, we actually got some new members that are coming in uh, next week. Um, but membership is is really prized for us um, because because it's it's a commitment thing, uh, not in a way where we can kind of like you know arm bar you and just kind of say like you made a commitment like what's the you know are you keeping your commitment but one of the one of the vows that we take when we become members and if you're a member here i'll just use this as the refresher button for you one of the vows that we take is um uh, do you commit do you vow um to supporting the work and the worship of the church to the best of your ability and we leave that kind of that gray subject right there you know to the best of your ability to your interpretation of it i mean it's almost it's almost like we borrowed that language from acts chapter 11 you know the relief was given to the brothers in judea uh according to the to their own ability in other words it was left up to them whatever you think you can give towards these efforts you give it and um i think there you know i think there are a few type of people here and I'll just kind of speak to you directly. Um, I think there are people that um, do not give, have a hard time giving, or are not very open with money. Things are tight. You know, bills are barely being covered. There, there's that category. Uh, on the other end, I think there's people that are very abundantly, openly generous, very open-handed with the giving. You're kind of there. And then maybe the larger swath of people is people who you give, right? Like they're, giving is a part of, of your thing, but but it's not necessarily um, like your main thing. Let me just, I'm just gonna kind of drop a few things in each of those buckets to each of you. So wherever you're at on the whole giving thing, like open-handed with your financial endeavors. Like if you're kind of in, in bucket number one and you're like, you know, geez, Adam, like I can't, we're hardly making ends meet here like I, I can't even fathom you know writing that into the budget line like I, I don't even know where that would come from things are tight let me let me just let me just remind you Jesus um, spoke a lot about money like it was one of his it was a top three subject for him and the reason Jesus talked about money so much is because it has the unique power to provide us with security and so for some of you that like just giving just doesn't seem possible to you, um, I would just, again, invitation, not a condemnation. The invitation would, I would just say, start giving. Just see what happens. Like, and, and at the risk of sounding like the televangelist who's like telling you to like sow seeds and give money to the church, like I, I'm not trying to, to do that. Like you don't have to give to the church if you want to give in a different direction, that's fine. But like start giving and see what that does to your heart. Like, see if that doesn't just start loosening up some things. Because, um, you know, Jesus made it very clear um, that money has the capacity to captivate your heart. And following Jesus requires that your heart be captivated by him alone. 
And then the bigger bucket is kind of maybe maybe where a lot of you fall. It's like, yeah, giving's part of it. You know, we're we're giving to the church, or we do kind of charitable things, or we're trying trying to be generous with our with our money. Um, here's uh, here's one of the things that that I think um, we need to be reminded of is that 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 giving and and I think this was the case for these early Christians. Giving is to be framed and felt by sacrifice. And sacrifice um, hurts. (laughs) Like you feel sacrifice. So like if you're giving is like, it's kind of like, you know, we we know how much we can give so that it really doesn't affect us. (laughs) Like here's here's the number where it's like, that's good, but like doesn't really affect us. And we don't really feel that. It's not changing our lifestyle at all. Like, it's just kind of another thing that goes through, you know, the, the auto-recurring auto thing. And it, it's just like never really felt. I, w- I mean, I would challenge you. Maybe that's ticking it up a notch from the inv- invitation. Like, the challenge would be, like, are you giving in a way that, like, like you actually feel it? Uh, because, because, you know, again, Jesus says, like, if you want to know where your heart really is, follow your money. If you want to know what your heart is sold out for, follow your money. You will know where it is. And that's not necessarily um, a proportion thing either. It's not like, well, you got to give more than your mortgage note. It's, it's a heart thing. It's, it's a felt thing. Like, you know, the mortgage note's important, and you feel that when it hits your bank account, right? Like, okay, that's an important investment. we got to have a roof over our head. Like, that's important, and you feel it. Is your giving that way? Because these early Christians, you know, they didn't even know these people. Like they heard about the famine coming and, and, and uh, Paul and Barnabas say, hey, we need to send some money to them. And they were just like, take it. We need to help out the brothers. And then the final bucket, for those of you that are, you know, open, very open, generosity's never been your struggle. You're kind of, that's kind of part of your rhythm and your routine. Let me just, maybe this is an encouragement. So bucket one got an invitation. <laughs> bucket two, you got a challenge. Bucket three, you get an encouragement. Um, and the encouragement is uh, your money, like, matters. Like, your money is making a difference. And, you know, for those of us that, like, giving's been a part of our life, like, you don't always get to see that. You know, you just kind of, you write the check or you got your recurring giving set up and, you, you know, you see it hit the statement and you're like, okay, that's great. I know I should be doing that. But let me just, I'm just going to give you a little, just a peek into the window. Um, I got a call this week from Michelle Kuykendall and she is our SHINE coordinator. We have a presence on an elementary school campus here, Marianne Binford over on, in the South Valley there, and uh, Michelle and others have been faithfully present on that campus. And the last six months, uh, because of COVID, have been extremely hard on that, uh, you know, it's a Title I school, impoverished school, poor, poor families, and kids going to bed hungry at night at that school. In the last six months, uh, the, the elevation of need has been really high, and so we tried as a church, if you've been around our church, we tried to, to do some things tangibly. This summer we were giving out grocery boxes on Fridays, and, and that was great. 
and, you know, sometimes we just do that, and maybe it's like, gosh, are we doing that just to feel good about ourselves? You know, I don't know. But Michelle has just been faithfully present on that campus, and she called me this week, and she said, Adam, you know, um, a, a need has risen up, and there's a family, and uh, they've got six children, and dad's, uh, dad's in jail right now uh, for probably some domestic violence stuff. And mom, um, she's getting evicted. She hadn't been able to pay rent, and they're, you know, they're putting her out. And she said, is there anything the church can do? I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we can, we can do something. We got some benevolence, mercy money that y'all have been contributing to. Um, some of you have been doing that. So we said, yeah, well, you know, let us know, Michelle. So we gave her, you know, a check, and she, she took it over to the family. And she did a follow-up email. And, um, you know, Kaika dolls, they do great. They're not here today, so I can just talk about them freely. They do great. You know, they're hardworking, thoroughly middle-class people, very generous with the church, all that stuff, very involved. She emails back, and she just says, you know, I just left being with that family, giving them that money, and, and she was just humbled. And, um, you know, we just, we just threw a little bit of money their way to help them get set up for a minute. But it was just like this micro moment. Uh, and these people were just overwhelmed. You know, this woman and her six kids were just overwhelmed. Like, who are these people and why are they doing this? And this is that micro moment. Where, like, the things that we're doing in the world matter. Like the needle is moving. Like God's love was tangibly experienced by that family in hardship. And, and I don't like share this story like to, you know, kind of put us up on a platform and say, hey, Mosaic, you're, you're just crushing it out there. Like there are many more things we can do. But, but what I do share that moment with, with all of you, not just bucket three givers, but like I share that moment with you to say, that the things that we are doing in the world matter. And, and the invitation of the gospel is for you to show the world that you are not all that matters in the world. And so I'll, I'll kind of leave you with that on the giving note. When you give your money away, you are showing the world that you are not all that you're worried about. That you give in a way that says, I care about other people. I care about the gospel being heard and proclaimed. I care about tangible needs being met. I care about families who are at the, you know, on the brink of living in their van. I care about kids who are going to bed with aching stomachs. Right? Like, the, the needs list is endless, and the gospel of Jesus Christ invites us to engage with the world at really high levels. So let me leave you with this. Like, again, I don't want this to be all law, no gospel, like, all guilt, like, oh my gosh, I haven't told any, because, like, here's what it could sound like. I haven't, you know, I haven't told anybody about Jesus, maybe ever, and, and my giving, gosh, it's been so slacking. I don't know when the last time I gave was, or, like, like, wipe all that clean for a minute. 
Here's the good news for, for the Christian and then non-Christians. Feel free to chime in on this too. Here is the good news for you today. Is that the God of the entire universe gave his life away for you. The God of the universe who has eternally existed. In other words, he has always existed, is currently existed, will always exist. He's the self-sufficient one. He came, he left the throne room of heaven and became a man. He took on your form in the flesh. He lived a life of obscurity and poverty for 30 years. He was unknown to the world. And then he continued on the track of giving his life away for you, and he willingly was mocked for his message of love. He was ridiculed. He was shamed. He was rejected. Ultimately, he would be pinned to a cross, stripped naked, spit upon, like publicly shamed in front of his own creatures. The ones he made shamed him. And he gave all of that away. The rich one became poor so that you could have the richness of life in him. That's the good news. So if you've heard nothing from me today, hear this. That giving your life away for Jesus and giving your money away for Jesus must come from a place of knowing that he has already done all of that for you. And that the invitation that's being extended to you is to follow that one. And when you follow that one with a heart that has been flooded with divine love, you become the greatest asset of God in the world. If that love will wash over your life and you start living freely in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in your families, in the life of this church, you will change the world. That is profound. Let's pray and ask God to help us be people like that. Let's pray. Father, the call to follow your son on the one hand is daunting and frightening and uncomfortable, uh, but on the other hand, uh, it is life-giving and abundant and liberating. We thank you that you have called us out of this world and brought us into your kingdom so that we would in many ways feel like strangers and exiles in this place, Lord. We ought to be looked at as weird. And we, we want to embrace that. Lord, we know that we have another Lord. And Caesar is not our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. So if, if there's anyone here listening this morning that has never named him Lord, I pray that you would, that you would blow on that heart, that you would thaw it out, that you would grant belief. And for the rest of us who have had that gift of faith given to us, uh, that it would leave here feeling inspired and encouraged to follow Jesus, uh, not condemned. 
not beat down. We want to live for you, Jesus, and we need your help. We pray these things in your name. Amen. This is the Sermon Podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 